BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're coming, and we ain't backing down. We don't need a bunch of cats in here looking in the mirror. I'm bitterly disappointed with the officiating today. Guys being dudes. And they run through our like through a tin horn, man. Ah, Thank you very much. Have a great day. Alex Kirshner, how about our shots? It was either going to be our shots or our Cougars last night. Right. We were planning to kind of ride the winner of this game, (laughs) no matter what happens. Uh, Front runners, baby. So very excited (laughs) to have the chance to do that with Coastal. Uh, This was a great game. I want to bring on someone with a lot of familiarity uh, with both of these programs. Uh, and it's important to note that there was a big fight right before halftime of this game. And I want to talk to a man who's been in a few fights in Myrtle Beach himself. <laughs> uh, un- un- unquestionably, Stephen Godfrey, welcome to the program. How you doing? Oh, man. Now people are going to believe all this. That's fine. Um, I've never been in a fight in Myrtle Beach. I've been in fights mm-hmm. and I've been in Myrtle Beach, Beach but not, mm-hmm. never together. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't yeah. say anything about Conway. <laughs> I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything about Daytona either. Oh boy! Uh, um, all okay. right, Richard. Shall we? Yeah, you want to put thirty minutes on the clock? As always, we will finish in thirty minutes plus stoppage time. Plus stoppage time. Speaking of stoppage time, North London Derby's on right now. Know that I love the audience because I'm not watching Tottenham and Arsenal. All right, thirty minutes on the clock. Three, two, one. Coastal Carolina twenty-two, BYU seventeen. Uh, they scheduled it. On Wednesday, they said the AD uh, talked for the first time on Thursday. Uh, the the equipment truck had to basically go double time to get from Provo all the way to Conway with three hours, or uh, all the way to Myrtle Beach with three hours to spare. But they played the game. It was a banger, uh, and it was it was just a lot of fun. It was just a lot of fun. I think credit to both coaching staffs to both teams for being. Apparently very well prepared to play this game. Uh, I think that this should end any fiction that we can't schedule football games on short notice and have them be good. This was a lot better than whatever that Pac-12 game was that they scheduled on like five minutes notice a couple weeks ago. Uh, Coastal basically made Zach Wilson into not Zach Wilson, which was, I mean, we think about Coastal's offense as their kind of main selling point, and it is. I think that's right. But their defense made the difference in this game because BYU just couldn't do the things that it does every week that it's done all year. Yeah, I, this game was this game was dead even on advanced metrics, 
which is funny, more or less. Uh, but the difference in the game was scoring opportunities. Coastal scored every time they crossed midfield. BYU left some points out on the field. Coastal did not. Uh, Coastal's run game, dizzying in this game. Dizzying amount of angles they create. A lot of center pull action, uh, which is just weird. Um, Coastal is not as physically imposing as BYU. They are just not. They use angles because blocking is as much about brute strength as it is about angles at times. Um, Coastal knows that, and they used it to their advantage, and, you know, they really, really confused BYU, and, and BYU did not seem like it was ever coming downhill right at your ass. They're sort of kind of worrying about who's coming from where, who's pulling it, da-da-da-da-da. Uh, the, the muscle confusion <laughs> that Coastal caused was pretty good. They didn't get Zach Wilson with the big splash plays. I mean, I think he had one interception, and it was just a halftime Hail Mary that got run back for a little bit. Uh, and, of course, he was blocked. Uh, how would we say this, Richard? He was blocked very intently by a couple of Coastal guys on the return. Oh, what? It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. That, that wasn't that bad was, at all. That was emblematic, I think, of Coastal's attitude in this game which is we're going to shitheal this bad boy into a victory. And for that, they deserve plaudits. The blocks were clean. Now, okay, he was giving him a little bit of the business at the end there when he dropped. My guy dropped the people's elbow at the end. What we're talking about about is the Hail Mary Mary attempt at the end of the first half and ended up being an interception. What you're coached to do on those situations as a defender is when the sudden change happens – Honestly, go find the quarterback and put him on his ass because you can in that situation because he's just another player on the field. Uh, he doesn't have the halo of protection. So he's a defender. Coastal, Coastal found him. They put him on his ass, and that was a broader trend. I mean, they were in Zach Wilson's face a lot. At the end of the game, Wilson, near the end of the game, Wilson sort of tried to like, do a hurdle thing, and after that he got up. Two, guy, two Coastal guys sort of got in his face. You could tell that Zach Wilson was like just generally annoyed, probably annoyed because that offense was not clicking on all cylinders as it has been all season. Uh, and and they, were, they were roughhousing a little bit. But, and hey, we don't condone violence on this show, but BYU, to their credit in this situation, came off the bench and gave Coast a little bit of the what for. And we had some, some, some spirited discussions and somebody probably said something about somebody's mama. And that is... I'll say that's the way it's supposed to be handled because I can do that as football guy. I'm just so excited that after, you know, with this game being played, this this puts Coastal in, in really the driver's seat for the conversation for the automatic G5 bid to the play. Oh, wait, it doesn't matter at all. This this actually meant absolutely nothing. So mm, You're not fun. That's great. Uh, but what Coastal did here, and they did this at the end of the first half on that interception, and they did it very much and very obviously at the end of the game, was they just kind of put a ceiling on BYU's vertical passing game. Quite literally on the second to last play of the game, Coastal was like, here, BYU, you can have like 15 free yards. We're not even going to bother. And then on the last play of the game, uh, as they had at halftime before, they were cool with Dax Milne going all the way to their one-yard line. But but Coastal Carolina was not (laughs) cool with him going one yard farther than that. That was a Rams-Titans finish for sure. All right, here you go. Last play of the game. Win it or lose it right here. Three seconds left at the Coastal 18. Wilson back. 
Looks. Pressure coming. Looks. Fires it towards the end zone. It's going to be caught. He's going to be stopped. He's stopped at the two-yard line. And the shot of clears have pulled the upset of the season in college football. That's Joe Cashin on the Chanticleer Sports Network. That was a Rams-Titans. That's actually the first thing I thought about when uh, when it happened. I know a lot of people sort of said that, too. Um, yeah, it, it was it was a really good game. I mean, these were two teams that slobber knocked it all day. Um, it, I don't know. It was fun. This is this is this is what we're calling a bracket buster Saturday or whatever. Do this. Mike you can't Hill. do that. No. I know. No. I know. I know. Simple question. Real, real fast. Simple questions. Was this a quality game? Yes. 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 Okay. Uh, did it look like it was scheduled three days in advance? Nope. Yes. Right. I I will say I think it did look like okay. it was scheduled three days in advance because. BYU was so, and I don't, I do not want to take anything away from Coastal because on three days they game plan for the thing too. Um, was this was this entertaining? Yes, yeah, very right. Probably yeah. the best game of the weekend for sure. Probably the most like interesting game we've had in a couple weeks, right? It's the it's the it's the game of the year behind Clemson Notre Dame Part One. Cool, awesome. All right, so when Alabama and Clemson are and Notre Dame, when someone's vaporizing Texas A and M. I want you guys to think about this game. I want everyone else to. Because we, when you say bracket buster specifically, you're alluding to a format that allows for wild card dark horse teams assembled in different ways, in unique ways, from programs that are not always powers to, to, to enter into a bigger conversation. What frustrates me about these games and why, like Alex says, I'm being no fun, is that I see the quality here and I see what makes college football so wonderful. And that's it, guys. We just saw it. That's it. We're closing it out, and we're going to go watch the same four teams beat each other up, and it's not going to be entertaining. And, y'all, eventually the sport is going to suffer for this. Maybe so. Uh, you mentioned Texas A&M. I don't think they're going to the playoff, but they still have a chance of going into the playoff, and they're probably going to be fifth again in the playoff ranking this week uh, because they beat Auburn on the Plains 31-20. to Whether you think A&M is a fraud or a shockingly good team that could be the star horse that sneaks into the playoff, I think that you can find things to like in this game. If you are on team A&M as a fraud, you can correctly point out that they probably lose this game if Sakobi McLean, Auburn linebacker, catches a Kellen Mond pass on the goal line early in the fourth quarter instead of letting it bounce off both of his hands into the hands of Jalen Weidermeyer for an A&M touchdown. Uh, if you think that A&M is great, then they did kind of bully the hell out of Auburn's defense at the end of this game. And also, mm-hmm. you're playing Auburn with not much to gain, and you didn't let them light something on fire. So congrats to you, Texas a uh, The only thing I can add real fast to this game, I did watch all of it, is that I um, will hit a big, long pause on my Bo Nix criticism based on that one know. evasion, that one insane scamper yeah. reminded yeah. me why Bo Nix was Bo Nix. Now, however, is he, he being... Jo- I mean, it was Johnny Manziel. It was awesome. It was awesome. But like now, is he being ushered along and developed the way he should be? No. Can we still criticize Auburn? Yeah. But I would just say like, I I, I never like I I never want to frame a narrative around a program on the effort of a single player, which is kind of what we've been doing with Nick's being emblematic of the program lately. But um, maybe this is just Richard. Maybe this is just how Texas A&M wins games. Like yeah, it, it, it it's, ugly. it's it. Don't it's don't bad. It, don't expect anything different than this or what, like this is what they are. Um, you know, I, I apologize because I do not do not remember the author of this tweet, but I wanted to convey the point that is not mine. Uh, basically, whenever Texas A&M needed something in this game on offense, they got it. 
And I think that is sort of a backhanded way to sort of kind of explain a use case for EPA. Like Texanin goes 0.366 EPA over 70 plays. That's 25 and change. They scored 31. I, I mean, they did right about what they needed to do in basically every situation. We say that because on EPA, a three-yard gain on third and 10 is not the same as a three-yard gain in third and two. Everybody knows that who watches football. EPA judges that. That's sort of what I'm talking about there. Uh, Texas A&M established it. Like 60% success rate on uh, rushing the ball. Kellen never had to do too much in this game because if Kellen does too much, they're going to lose. Um, Spiller's long run was of like 15 yards. 20 rushes, 120 yards, I think it was. Um, they were efficient. They did what they needed to do. Um, yeah, A&M got in and out of the game, and they won, and, and they move on. Uh, Florida, 31. Tennessee, 19. And a brutal bad beat that made some of us very, very upset at the end of that game uh, that blew a Florida cover. I'm not mad about it. I'm just... I'm just talking about it. Uh, Florida's passing game, unstoppable. Florida's running game, extremely stoppable. 57% success rate passing, 7%, which is horrible, horrible in the running game. I mean, that's pretty close to just a a non-existent run game. Like, it's as bad as you're basically ever going to see in a football game of any level. Uh, Richard, does Florida actually need a running game to beat Alabama? Or is that going to be entirely dependent on Kyle Trask and friends anyway? I mean, it depends on sort of what you think and, and sort of either the older type stuff. I mean, I, like, there's there are a lot of Florida fans that are not happy right now because of that game. And I think that – I don't know if the Georgia and Arkansas performances back-to-back changed what people thought of this team. Well, I shouldn't say I don't know. I do know. I think those two performances gave people sort of outsized expectation of what this team is. This team is what they are. They are very, very good. Very, very good. That's fine. They're not elite. Um, I can live with that. I've made my piece that they're going to get drugged in the SEC championship game. I say it every week on this show. Um, To Florida's credit, they don't run the ball well. They also don't try to run the ball. 66 plays yesterday, 14 true rushes if you strip out the sacks uh, and the kneels. Um... You know, so what's going to happen in the SEC Championship game? I think Nick's going to try to take away the counter to what they do well, and I'm talking about the wheel routes. Um, Nick takes those away. Pitts will do what he does. He'll get some of his because he's an animatron. Um, Tony is probably their best hope to, to do something in the middle of the field, just make plays. I don't think he's going to do a lot of stuff behind the line of scrimmage because Georgia didn't let him do that anyway, uh, which is a dirty little secret. But I think when we – and we'll get to this, but – the Florida defense against Alabama's offense matchup is, I think, going to come down to Florida not being able to stop Alabama's running game more than anything else because I think Alabama's going to be able to keep Florida's offense relatively off of the field uh, in that game as well. And that would be a subplot to why Florida doesn't win. Godfrey? Tennessee not embarrassing. Tennessee just Tennessee. Um, I've, I've been coining and kind of working on this new phrase of like a blind item concept. And the word I got after the game last night was basically, how does this Tennessee look any different than the last year, the last two years of Butch's Tennessee? And that this is it. This is a question being posed to me from Vol people. My response was, 
pretty much, I mean, if I didn't, honestly, if Florida wasn't wearing blue helmets and the stands weren't empty, you could have passed this off as pretty much anything in the last eight or nine years of Tennessee football. Yeah, and I know there are a lot of people who think that Florida fans do like are not gracious in, in winning unless they're winning 50 to nothing, and yeah, there's some truth to that. I want to be clear, I had a great-ass time watching that game yesterday. Uh, another game. What I about the helmets, time. though? What about the helmets? Nah, that shit was drip. They look good, man. You think they so? Okay. I don't know. I couldn't make my mind up. Switched up the vibes a little bit. That was a smoke them if you got them because those were the throwback helmets they wore against Arkansas a few weeks ago. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, another game I had fun watching. Mizzou 50, Arkansas 48. Mm. Um, it, this was very fun. Uh, you or, Excuse me. Alex made the point that uh, Mizzou was down like 14 points with 13 minutes left in this game. Have the miracle at the end there to uh, to to go ahead. Then Mizzou comes back, kicks field goal, wins the game. Uh, it yeah. was a lot of fun. Yeah, not a great revenge game for Barry Odom. Uh, you don't. No, pretty much the worst one you could you, have, Alex. You, you don't want you don't want to go up against a team that fired you, give up fifty, and have you know that include blowing a two touchdown lead in the last quarter. Uh, Mizzou is five and three, and like. Like, I mean, they still have Mississippi State on their schedule. Like, they're going to probably win six games. What, mm-hmm. like, what a surprisingly great year. I never thought they were, like, awful, awful. But, Richard, you had a defensible take on this podcast. I'm not even, like, trying to, like, dredge up skeletons here. Like, you thought there was a decent chance they might not win a game this year at, at the top. Like, the way they looked against Alabama in the first week. I will no. own that I mean, puppy. these guys are solidly competent. Good for them. They're getting better. They're getting better as the season goes on, and that is good coaching. Eli Jordan. Really? Ryan Walters, even though they gave up 48 points. Well, we really? will interface They that. scored 50. They scored 50. <laughs> wait, they scored 50. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. They scored 50. <laughs> wait, we're going through here. We're talking about wins. Wait, Missouri? Like the Missouri Tigers football team, we're certifying Eli Drinkwitz. Is that what we're doing here today, guys? Let's let's win with South let's, Carolina, let's Vanderbilt, or Arkansas. We will punt this. That you can only beat who you play. Uh, another team that scored fifty plus points uh, in a little talked about SEC game that we don't want to spend too much time on because it, it wasn't particularly interesting and doesn't involve uh, anything that we really need to talk about. Alabama fifty five, LSU seventeen. Ooh, well, this game was gross. Yeah, gross. disgusting. Devontae Smith though. He's on an, he is from another planet. He's from another planet. I mean, this dude is incredible. Um, I think Sar- the way Alabama's offense is right now, it's a meme that you're just like run the touchdown play every play. They really do just run the touchdown play every play. It works because Mac Jones has an hour and a half to throw every single ball. Um, the way they move Devontae Smith around, I think, is the noteworthy sort of uh, under the radar, oh, he just runs really fast. Like, no, like they move him inside. They switch release him with an outside receiver. Um, they make defenses honor him in ways that create uh, 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 opportunities for, it's like Bolden, Miller Forstall, um, and and uh, John Mechie. I, you know, Derek Stingley was inside as a slot corner 27% of the snaps in this game. That does not happen. He's usually out wide. That's where he's really good at. Um, and, and you know, they lose the game 55-17. to 17, And I, I get that LSU fans want to always do the doesn't matter 2019 thing. Lord knows I would probably do the same thing. But you have to interface with the reality that they are inexcusably bad on defense. And Alabama's going to do this to a lot of teams, but Alabama's not the only team 
that has done this against LSU defense all season. Really rough. Really, really rough in ways that it is not supposed to look for LSU ever. Um, I would uh, second that as I text someone. I cannot wait. I may not be on this show, but when I can go through everything I know about Alex Kirshner's favorite new college football program and favorite new college football coaching staff, it's happening in real time. This will be used as a torture device for at least the next six months. Um, (laughs) Gentlemen, is there a worse follow-up team to a national title winner in the modern era? I cannot think of one. And so I was thinking specifically. This is the worst. This is the worst. Like, yes. I'm trying to think, what did no, Miami do? So we quantified. After, we, we what quantified did Miami this. do after they lost the Ohio State National Championship? Game it wasn't this not, bad. Not like that. Not like this. So man. I did. Not I actually like did a story uh, at Banner Society, better part of a year ago, uh, about this, about the worst defending national champions. Tried to be pretty rigorous about it with like, yeah. you know, sports reference, SRS, things like that. This is certainly the worst in the modern in modern times. I mean, obviously, the next one that would come to everyone's mind is the post cam Auburn, oh, yeah. uh, and yeah. that team wasn't good, but they went eight and five, uh, and they were top fifty in, in SRS. Yeah, twelve when they cratered. This is a much worse outfit than that. Now there have been worse defending national champions. That I think the worst ever was nineteen thirty four Michigan going one and seven. <laughs> Uh, there have been worse, yeah. but this is in modern times as bad as it, it's worse than it's ever been. And I think it's about as bad as it could be. I mean, they are, uh, it is so bad that you have to imagine that all of that goodwill and they built up a lot of it last year. It ain't lasting forever because this is bad. This is bad. So Alex, the, real fast, like real fast though goes into 2021 that's where we figure out what the real tale of the goodwill has got for so it's a three and five team with two games left they they're definitely going to lose the floor they they, they have a, a a strong chance of losing to Ole Miss so they could finish three and seven in a normal schedule I would you would give them what four and eight here do we feel like that would be comparable if we're in a non-COVID situation yeah four and eight or five and seven beaten, uh, like a non so they would have beaten like a southeastern Louisiana or something like that yeah um yeah they're terrible um it, this is it's uh we're definitely gonna have to get into this on another show because like there is people have asked me about this a lot of boosters and stuff y'all there are so many moving pieces to why they're this bad that it really is like the perfect storm it, it, it's unprecedented it's extremely bad uh another program doing extremely badly virginia tech uh they got clocked the way people Woo! generally expected <laughs> Uh, but they actually, they, they were 21 point dogs. They lost by 35, 45, 10. They were game for a little Thompson. bit here. They were game for a little bit. Then okay. Justin Fuente decided not to try to score before halftime. And, uh, well, he defended that later because I don't know. Uh, they didn't score at all after that. Uh, Virginia Tech has one of the best running games in college football. That is kind of the one thing they do well. Khalil Herbert, Hendon Hooker, we all know. Uh, we have talked on this show before about expected points added stat that tells us how every play and we just did earlier just a few minutes ago how every play expects your chances to score on that drive in this game clemson gained 0.25 points per offensive play times 52 plays it's about 13 points tech lost a little bit more than that uh, 0.29 per play on offense times 64 that's about 19 19 plus 31 that's 31 points lost by 35 so you basically get how it works like we're talking about uh they lost a half point per play Virginia Tech did which is horrible on running plays uh, they have a top Woo! 10 they have a top 10 running game most of the time by EPA and they were made by Clemson into the worst running game in the country sub UMass we talked about this kind of with UNC and what Notre Dame did to them the week before Clemson just reduced a really good running game into ash if you want to run the ball on Clemson and that is your recipe for success good goddamn luck 
Well, yeah, but you 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 just can't do one thing. I mean, that's that's it, what it really is. It, they you they can't just, only do one thing. It, no. Or if you're gonna do one thing, it better be for it, trick trick them for five minutes. Like, I mean, at least come out and show something weird or change the formations. Like, this was this was. I mean, it was slow to start off with, but no, this was a funeral. I can't look. I'm older than everyone here. I can't get over the fact Virginia Tech looks this bad because this is just a this was a dynamic, creative program on both sides of the ball plus special teams for like my formidable years in college football, and I will not stop mourning how blah this program is. So we're and about yeah. They do they do need to fire him. We're about done. Yeah, I was gonna say we're about done here with this, Godfrey. Done. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that the only issue right now is that they may be cleaning more than the head coach out at Virginia Tech, and people are going to look at this job a little warily, gentlemen. This, I, I think, I think some of the shine is off Blacksburg, and someone, someone who has a passion for the bones of this place is going to have to come in and do a renovation. So, someone who I thought would have a passion for the bones of this place, and maybe perhaps doing some 4D chess to potentially get this job, did not. We know that Shane Beamer was reported last night to be the new head coach of South Carolina. We'll get to that on Saturday. Or, Jesus. We'll get to that on the midweek show. Um, it is a fine hire. It may work out. It doesn't inspire a ton of national praise. The players really, the former players, really dig it. Okay, that's fine. Um, very, very quickly, Godfrey. Don't grade it, but but just gave a 10-second assessment. On, on Beamer? Yeah. Specifically, um, uh, a 10-second assessment is this. I said I tweeted this out last night because everyone was talking about Chadwell after the game. This is not a meritocracy. It never has been. It's not. It was never designed to be fair. It was never designed to be about resumes. God knows how many times we've talked about this in relation to things like politics and race relations and everything else. Look, this was about the fact that Beamer was there, knows the right people, and is mobbed up in the SEC. And if you want to beat the mob, you got to be the mob. And that's it. It's not about coaching. Fair enough. Tremendous industry we have here. Uh, Notre Dame 45, Syracuse 21. Ian Book, 30 wins, winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history. And I kind of like him. Pretty weird. Uh, Miami 48, Duke 0. Well, Dave, it's time. It's time, Dave. It's time. Uh, A team that was off this week, but let's talk about this for about eh, one minute before we do some podcast business. Uh, Speaking of the South Carolina job, Louisville didn't play, but Scott Satterfield uh, was in the news because he admitted talking to South Carolina about that job. Uh, He says it wasn't an interview. It was just a talk. It was because his parents mm-hmm. live by. Very convincing, obviously. Brother, uh, I believe terrible, that thing is, terrible thing to say. <laughs> yeah. Brother, uh, that is not the tax just, guy. Y'all, when I, right before I came on this show, I had an agent laughing out loud, obviously, who, who's not, he just does not rep Satterfield about that quote. And he was just like, he said so much when he didn't need to say anything. Just this don't was, talk. This the was thing a, is, the this thing, was bad. The thing is, is like, so he, this was, I guess, a week or a week and a half ago put out the Twitter statement that w- that seemed to be, in my opinion, the I am staying at Louisville. And we sort of talked about how this is not, you know, we talk about 4D chess. I don't think this is 4D chess because I don't think he's getting some massive raise off. Nope. He's sure uh, not. He's getting no raise. <laughs> he's sure and, not. And he's, yeah. and he's burning, burned, burning most of the scintillas of goodwill he has with that program. And to be clear, we know that he's burning these bridges because his boss, Louisville's AD, gave the following quote. I am disappointed that Scott had a conversation with another program, but I'm comfortable we have an agreeable path forward. Godfrey, translate that. Godfrey, if you translate that for me, that quote basically means, fuck this guy. We are looking for a way out of this arrangement as soon as possible. That's what that means, right? 
Louisville, Louisville either furloughed or laid off in total around 40 people in a, like about, about we talked three about this in the before, you like about four weeks before all this happened or four months before all this happened I'm sorry like my guy you're trying to pivot this season into an extension this season <laughs> I, look I, actually let me back up I'm gonna be really honest here because the, the, the bones are not even settled on this one yet bones is my word of the day um, he wants out of Louisville. I don't think he thinks he fits at Louisville. I think he's frustrated with Louisville, and I think he wants to get back to the Carolinas. But let me back up for a second just to close this loop, Alex. It doesn't matter where your parents live, but it really, you really, really shouldn't say that shit when you left a job that was closer to your parents because what you're doing is not so subtly signaling the fact that you don't like Louisville, you're not from Louisville, and you don't feel like you belong at Louisville. And all those things are true right now. And this went from, holy shit, what a great debut season, beating Mississippi State. Remember all that, guys? Remember how red hot they were? Everything I'm hearing in the state of Kentucky right now, especially if Mark Stoops sticks around, is that Louisville is going to have some issues if this staff does not uh, adjust. Mm -hmm. Richard, you want to stop that clock for about a couple seconds here? So we get to the podcast business. Thank you. Where is your home for comfortable premium vintage collegiate apparel? Can you Uh, tell us? That'll be Home Field Apparel. Indeed. Uh, Home Field Apparel, great friends of our entire operation here. We appreciate their support and uh, friendship over the months and years. We also wear the shirts because they are comfortable as hell. If you have not. Virginia Tech one right now. There he is. Uh, if you have not gotten on the home field train yet, I have two pieces of good news for you. One, promo code SZD. Again, that's SZD as in split zone duo is good for 20% off your first order. And if you make that order or any other order by December 12th, home field can guarantee delivery by December 24th, which is Christmas Eve. Hanukkah runs the 10th to the 18th, so hurry up. The sooner you get things in, uh, the faster, the, the more likely it is it'll be there uh, by the end of that holiday as well. Uh, and, yeah, I've, I've got a shipment coming in, both for myself and for others. I've, I've talked about it on the show already, so thank you to Homefield for your support of this show. All right, uh, the Red Hat says, says we can go. Hurry up offense, four and a half minutes left on the clock. Uh, speaking of Homefield, Big Ten, Indiana 14, Wisconsin 6. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Go Back Hoosiers. quarterback. Absolutely. Upset. Played in a fucking rock fight and won the game. Upset. Upset, right, ESPN? Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, the thing is, Wisconsin is just painful to watch. Like, painful, painful. Uh, they had five scoring ops that's trips inside the 40 in this game, pointed out by CFB underscore geek. Very nice little analytics Twitter account you should follow. They got six points on five trips inside the 40. Uh, you don't need to know a lot about analytics to just sort through that in your head pretty quickly <laughs> and realize that's pretty bad. That's not as bad as you can do, but it's pretty damn close. Uh, so Wisconsin just like hurts to watch, and thank God that we don't have to watch them in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, Ohio State 52, Michigan State 12. Uh, sounds from reporting like the Big Ten is going to lift that rule that says a team has to play six games in the conference championship. Well, mm-hmm. I, for one, am shocked. Because God forbid, mm-hmm. God forbid I Ohio shocked. State would not get what it wants. Uh, we couldn't have that. I think the only thing that would make Ohio State We'll not- say Ohio State deserves also. Sure. They also are, by a mile, the best team in this conference. But uh, the only thing that would make them not beat anybody in the Big Ten this year is if Justin Fields couldn't play. And if that, for some reason, happened, I don't know why I would. I assume the Big Ten would rearrange certain protocols to make sure that Justin Fields could play. I mean that. So uh, is the Michigan game, Godfrey, quickly, is the Michigan game in doubt from what I'm seeing, hearing? I don't know. 
Still, yes. Yes. I mean, if I'm betting right now, I think it happens because I think it's going to... You know what I think that game's going to have? NFL magic. As someone, I think it was from the New York Daily News, tweeted this morning, isn't it amazing that the NFL only gets coronavirus Monday through Saturday? Yeah, the, um, the Rona takes Sundays off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yep. I think you're going to see some magic there. The Rona respects the shield. Uh, <laughs> Iowa 35, Illinois 21. Just quickly noting, and, and this doesn't bring me any happiness, but I think, I think Iowa is probably the actual best team in the Big Ten West, and that sucks. Um, yeah, I'm not happy about it. Uh, Nebraska 37, Purdue 27. Hey, some signs are there, Nebraska. Yeah, not, yeah. Not, not going to make fun of you this week. The offense, and they, offense they has some signs. They hey didn't lose this very dumb game, right, where Purdue sort of kind of storms back, mm-hmm. gives them a little bit of the what for, um, and, and they don't lose. Good on yeah, you. I like uh, just wanted to, want to ask you guys real fast who the uh, defensive coordinator for Purdue is. Bob Diaco. Smile Carry Bob. on. Wow. Carry on. Uh, Big 12, yeah. Texas Tech 16, Kansas 13. Thank you, Les. Y'all thought I forgot at the top of the show. I did not. Kansas covers. Kansas almost wins. I do not know if we're going to get a chance to speak uh, kindly about the Kansas football program this season beyond this. Alex, Oy. you watched it. Please relay as our Kansan correspondent. I watched it, and I, I want to point out that I won money both on Kansas plus 26 and under 64. Kansas had not covered a spread all year, and the under had not hit in a Kansas game all year. I had so, Texas Tech. I'm not. Uh, tough decision by you there. Um, yeah, so Texas Tech, if you have not followed them closely or you didn't watch this game, A, congratulations. B, uh, <laughs> wow, it's just not good. It's just not good at all. Basically what they have done is they have mildly – if at all, probably I would say very, very, very mildly improved their defensive footprint under Matt Wells from where it was under Cliff Kingsbury. But they have basically totally wiped out that world-beating air raid-ish offense that they ran. Uh, Their offense is miserable. Their defense is ever so slightly better. Wells is now 7-15 and in about two whole years. They have made no progress. Godfrey, I don't want to say they should fire him, but what where are we with that heading into 2021 uh, i think texas tech is just one of those schools where it's not they, they, not everyone can financially move heaven and earth and i do think they're going to give him at least another year to try and to try and at least show something this would be going back to hey what's your proof of concept what 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 thing did you tell us during the interview can you point to now and also you guys brought up the point like it was not great, but we didn't have to come in and cleanse a culture, fix a program, none of that stuff if we're Matt Wells. Like, we were supposed to take it, pivot, and move upward. So, nope. um, uh, direct hot seat candidate for 21. Stoppage time. That's fine. It's football. We have stoppage time. Uh, Iowa State 42, West Virginia 6. Just pointing this out, West Virginia, I mean, they've lost a few games. This was their fourth loss. But nobody else has really beaten them up, right? Like, they, these were all games, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Texas where they had very real chances to win. And Iowa State just bodied these guys. Furthers the point that Godfrey, you and I were talking about last week. They are not a little engine that could. They are just good. I think they very well might beat Oklahoma again. I'm not sure about it, but they very well might. Yes, they are. They are very good. I don't have much insight other than the fact that this is not circumstantial or a fluke or anything like that. I would say that obviously this still has an expiration point on it and – I you know I don't think he's there next year. I'm sorry, Iowa State. Mm. 
TCU 29, Oklahoma State 22. Uh, only pointing out that for at least one half of football, TCU was actually fun uh, and interesting on both sides of the ball. Oklahoma State's offense had success rates of 18 and 25% in the third and fourth quarter. Basically means they disappeared. Big play was the two excellent TCU safeties, Trayvon Merrick and Ardarius Washington, combining for a pick that more or less sealed the game. Yeah, Oklahoma State, remember when we were talking a few weeks ago, Richard, about how, like, yeah, they're kind of decent? Yeah, they're, they're getting some stuff together. Yeah, that, was, that wasn't that was it. Um, Texas 69, nice. Kansas, 30, nice. Kansas State 31. Uh, I guess this is Tom Herman so making I, one last little push? Some of it was. Told you all you got to watch State. those, yeah. Some of it was Kansas State could not get out of its own. I mean, they, Kansas State could not stop a fucking nosebleed on defense. That nosebleed was Bijan Robinson, who ran all the way through them, like, as our buddy Nick Saban does, uh, says at the top of the show, like shit through a tin horn. Um, Texas offense looked great. Texas defense looked not so great, but Kansas State gave them a whole bunch of turnovers to break serve in true Big 12 fashion. Got to keep winning if you're Tom Herman went out. Um, the Pac-12, man, I just sort of just do Cal 21, Oregon 17, Colorado 24, Arizona 13, Stanford 31, Washington 26. I don't know, man. Just like lump it all together. Quick I don't note. get it. Agreed. Colorado's 4-0. Stanford's playing uh-huh. in, uh-huh. living in Seattle, practicing in public parks. Scobuffs. Oregon's throwing up on themselves Ugh. for the second week in a row in a close game against Cal, which was previously 0-3. I don't know, man. I just don't know. I think you throw every bit of it out, honestly. That's my radical take there. Probably, All but I'm it. just saying, good for Colorado and Carl. Yeah, Durant. like I sure. legitimately, I remember when I found out, I want to say it was in like January or February, so it was right before the world ended. I was out at a social gathering, which we used to have those, if you guys remember it. And I heard that they hired Carl Durrell, and I, I didn't, like, I think I was peripherally aware of Carl Durrell's existence, but like, I had basically forgotten Carl Durrell was, was... I had forgotten about him. I, yeah, I know. I, I, had, I, remember, I had to look it, it had been a while. I, I remember texting you the day it happened. Uh, I was also on the way to a social gathering. I was on the bus going to Bushwick. And I and we were texting about it. And I remember your confusion about who exactly it was. Carl Durrell. Who Carl Durrell was. And where my, he coached previously. My memory was talking to a coach who had turned them down. And he go, and I said, well, who do you think is going to get it? And he goes, I don't know. I mean, they talked to Carl Durrell if they're going to do that, like, which is basically a way of being like, they won't fall that far. Well, good for them, though. They're 4-0, and no matter what it means, which might not be anything, great. Uh, some quick ones, some, some results of interest elsewhere. I know elsewhere in G5. I, yeah, you know where I want to go, but Rice <laughs> Gross. 20. Rice, Rice 20. Yeah, what? Marshall what? 0. Yeah, what what I, in the dickens happened here? Marshall's supposed I, to be able to throw the ball on just about anybody. And I did, wait, was it four picks? Five, five picks? Five. I'm gonna need to. I need to see some. I need to see some Corona positives. I need. To, I'm serious. Like I need. I need y'all to be like, hey, we lost. We had 19 out. Yeah. And nope, others. Don't think that was stunning. it. Like, don't think that was it. Uh, they. That's one of the most stunning results I can. Remember oh, that's the what the years. fuck result of the year. I yeah. think there's two. There's. The, they've been the last two weeks. There was ECU being up 45-7 at halftime on SMU, yes. and Rice yeah. 20, Marshall zero. Those are the two games this year that I am most like disoriented by y'all shout out to rice because i've i've talked with a couple of their support staff guys before like they are trying to do a, a just an, an a very impossible thing in building in building that program into respectability this mm-hmm. win is like 
I'm in disbelief. I sat there with the score app watching other games, just refreshing that app. And I'm like, oh, my app is it's backwards because that like stuff like that happens. I was like, it's a user input error. Like Yahoo put the score in backwards. That's what I thought. Take us home, Alex. Sure. Godfrey, I'm going to ask you for a few things as oh, I go through God. this, because these are at least a couple programs here that you have some expertise in. Uh, Troy, 29, Troy 29, South Alabama 0. So South Bama hired Steve Campbell in 2018. Three years in, he is 9-26, and 26, including 4-7 and seven to wrap this year. That is a lot worse than Joey Jones, who he replaced, and Joey Jones got fired. So, I mean, my common sense tells me that Steve Campbell's about done there. Am I correct yes, about sir. that? You are correct. I think that job is going to open. I bet okay. the rest of the Sunbelt fall, that Sunbelt Conference, Sunbelt area uh, rising is not taken too kindly from the. Uh, Probably not. That's got to. I mean, that's got to piss off South Alabama a lot. That Coastal. I mean, they they came into FBS existence around the same time. And Louisiana, yep. got battle with yep. Troy. You guys. Yep. You're all. You're all correct. I would yep. also say that Troy may also make a change. Wow. Even after. Okay. Interesting to hear that. Uh, Georgia Southern twenty FAU three Godfrey. You've you've done some reporting on Willie Taggart. Can you please call him? Tell him that life is too short <laughs> to be trotting out a team that plays offense. Come on, he's in Boca, the way, baby. The way he's in plays. Boca. He's, he's, on he's the in beach. Boca. He should be on the beach. He should be calling fun, exotic offensive plays and not coaching a team like this. They're not even that bad, except on offense. They no, sure they're are. not. They're just. Um, I, th- this was a program I think that was not ready to deal with some of the COVID circumstances in a transition year, and uh, and that I will also say. Bigger win than it looks like for Georgia Southern because there's some there's some dissatisfaction with Lunsford in a big way. They switched OCs. Yeah, they f- fired the OC on Tuesday, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, if you watch every Georgia Southern, I actually have not seen that game yet because I was watching other ones. But I, I watched all the other Georgia Southern games, and like they're they're about as bad as a triple option team could be. And so they were actually they they got Doug Roos from Tulane. He, he's a Willie Fritz guy. Well, he wasn't at Tulane, but anyway. Um, it, so they may actually start running some more gun option. Fair enough. Uh, the last of the week. Dear and God. The last place game. This is the thing this. I was worried about actually no, yeah, having participating so, in media on. But let's go, Alex. You do a whole podcast on No, so Akron 31. That's a payout is, for Akron minus three. Akron 31, Jesus. Bowling Green three. Y'all, I have watched Bowling Green two weeks in a row because I've been fading Bowling Green two weeks in a row. This is very these smart, guys, by the way. These guys are just as bad as UMass, and I mean it. Uh there's that I am entertaining the possibility that the, that they are the worst team in FBS. Uh, Scott Leffler, Brian Van Gorder, kind of the guys in charge of of that program. I'm not sure that it would matter who would be in that job, although it does matter because Dino Babers was there and they were good and fun. Oh but, no no no! Um, hang on, let let me stop you right there. Not it good. definitely matters. No, yeah. it definitely matters, Alex, because because Dino was there, Urban was there, like Mac. Programs are by and like Mac Mac programs are by and large interchangeable based on the coach who's there for the particular three to four year span. There's a couple outliers with like like Solich being there forever, and then like up until very recently, Eastern Michigan and Akron were just like completely hapless. Shout out to Tom Arth. This is a very big win for them. It's very important for them. Alex, you are 110% right among coaches, among myself. I can tell you this is the worst team absolutely in the FBS. Like, I think New Mexico State would, like, beat that ass. Yes, um, like, I think so, I think too. UMass would beat them. I think. I, I mean, I don't I know think, how much for – I think. Yeah. This is how we can make money, by the way, betting on college football. Richard and I, we, we've talked yep. about this. Like, you can look at a line sometimes and be like, 
Okay, Akron's only a three-point favorite against Bowling Green. The odds makers definitely did not watch that game last week <laughs> when Bowling Green. You've actually <laughs> because you watch that and you're just like, nope, nope. You're, they're going to need to be getting more than a field goal against anybody in FBS, uh, or that's going to be an auto hammer. You've also uh, mentioned the staff twice and didn't realize it, Alex, because we talked about we talked about uh, cratering out after a national title. Scott Loeffler and BVG were the hires by Gene Chizik that cratered out that program the year after they won the national title, and now they're running. They have their own program. Someone was dumb enough to give them a job. Well, uh, Richard, I want you to take us home, but I just want to put this put this to you both, and then I'm going to get out of the way for this podcast, and, and you can send us off to the various podcast platforms. You know one of the biggest winners of this college football season? The Yukon Huskies. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Find the lie. Godfrey, where can the people find you? Ugh, on this show, apparently. At 38Godfrey on Instagram and Twitter, BannerSociety.com. Alex's G5 weirded me out. I didn't think that was possible. Alex. Uh, you can find me right here or at Twitter, Alex underscore Kirshner. RJ underscore writes on Twitter for me as well. See you in the midweek.